0: We've spent the past couple of weeks talking about how to build a new you. How is it this year, 2018, we can truly do more than just make and break New Year's resolutions, but that we can really begin to see some life change in ourselves. And we focused on, we're focusing on four key areas, our worship, our witness, our walk, and our work. And two weeks ago, we talked about how our worship of God should be a loving response to Him. And that it should be out of spirit and out of truth that we worship God. What does that look like? And how do we do that personally? How do we do that as a congregation? How can you lead your family in that kind of worship? And then last week we talked about our witness. And how our witness really should uh, be focused on gospel conversations that are undergirded by prayer and trust in the Holy Spirit. And last week I had some cards... That uh, that were in your orders of worship. These gospel conversation challenge cards it basically just said, "I commit to help First Baptist Church reach those far from Jesus in our community by having at least one gospel conversation with a friend, relative, neighbor, or stranger each month. One gospel conversation each month. And though the conversation may not always end with a response to the gospel." it will always point them to Jesus and then a place to sign it. Last week, 77 of you signed these cards and turned them in. Now, I'm, I'm not a math expert, but if you take 77 times 12, if I'm, if I'm doing it right, that's 924. That's 924 gospel conversations that this ch- church committed to have last week for 2018. Now, again, if you just do a little simple math, Let's say 10%, just one out of ten of those gospel conversations, just 10% of those resulted in someone either coming to know the Lord or deciding to come and, and be a part of our worship services so they can hear more about Jesus. Just 10%, that's 92 people. Now, can you imagine if we baptized 92 people this year? Can you imagine if we had 92 people more in worship this morning? the difference, the impact that can make. So I've got your cards. I'm going to be praying for you by name. And if you've got some people that you want me to pray for, you give me their names and I'll be in prayer for them as you have those gospel conversations. Now, you may not have been here last week. I do have some extra gospel conversation cards up here and in the in the vestibule in the back. Please take one and sign it and get it to me. Okay? You can bring it by the office. Drop it in the offering plate next Sunday. Also, we gave out some conversation guides to help you learn how to take any conversation and begin to point it towards the gospel, towards Jesus Christ. And we ran out. Some people picked them up last week. I was so excited. So we've got more of those, again, here on either corner or in the vestibule. And then finally last week, I gave you guys a, a guide to help you pray and plan some strategic, intentional ways that you can begin to target some folks to lead them to Jesus, to just help them walk one step at a time towards having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are extras of those as well if you weren't here last week. Please pick those up, take them with you, and use them. Put them to work. We have to refocus our witness from just winning the lost to actually making disciples. You know, winning the lost is just the beginning. The the, the point of sharing the gospel, of having a gospel conversation with someone, is so that they can know Jesus and follow Jesus and begin to have that relationship with Jesus and grow closer and closer to Him. So once we lead someone to Christ, once we see them baptized, that's not the end. We need to still bear witness to the way and the truth and the life of Jesus Christ with them every day. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Paul was encouraging these Christians to imitate him. He was modeling for them what it looks like to be a Christ follower. In Philippians 4 9, he said, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Again, he's modeling for these believers. He's bearing witness to them of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And in 2 Timothy 2.22, he said, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul never stopped witnessing. He never stopped bearing the truth of Christ to people. He never stopped modeling for them, discipling them, doing what Jesus said in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded. But he also expected those he was discipling to do the same thing to others. He was expecting them to pass this truth on to other people to do what He was doing for other believers. We all need people in our lives who can model what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not to be perfect, not to have it all together, but to model for us what it looks like to walk this Christian journey. And then we need to be those kinds of people for others. I'm sure, like me, you can name right now several people that have been that for you. Men and women, maybe in this church who all your life have been there to model for you and to, and to be that example for you and to encourage you in what it means to be a Christian. Discipleship is far more than just a, a Sunday night Bible study class. Discipleship is our purpose. It's our way of life. Being a disciple and making disciples is a lifelong journey that begins at the moment you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it doesn't end until we stand in his presence in heaven and we hear from him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Discipleship. It's what our lives should be about. It's a journey. And really, it's a twofold journey. Paul writes about this twofold journey here in Philippians. Look with me at Philippians chapter one, verse twelve. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. To advance the gospel. Now look down at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress, your progress and joy in the faith. Now, these words advance and progress are really the same Greek word. And it's the word prokope which means to advance or to make progress. So in verse 12, Paul is talking about the progress of the gospel into the world. And he basically says, you know, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. I'm in prison. I'm chained to these Roman guards day and night. But you know what? Not that I enjoy it, but he says I'm making the most of it, and and my hope and my prayer is that my suffering is helping to advance the gospel, that the gospel can progress out, into this world because of what I am enduring. And, and and Paul was, you know, he was very aware that this might end in his execution. In fact, he tells the Philippians in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul was kind of torn between the two, whether he wanted to go ahead and die and be with Jesus or whether he wanted to remain with them so that he could be that encouragement and that example and that help to them. And so that's, that's his conclusion here in verse 25, is that he does want to stay. He doesn't want to die just yet, because his relationship with these Philippian Christians are such that he's not only helping to progress the gospel outward, but he is helping them to progress in the gospel themselves. That's the two-fold journey of Christian discipleship, the outward journey of advancing the gospel to reach the unsaved and the lost world. And it's that inward journey in the gospel in our own spiritual walk. And so you'll see that there. If you'll fill in the blanks in your notes there, the outward journey is about the progress of the gospel into the world. And we do that through what we talked about last week. We do that through gospel conversations. We do that through witnessing. We do that through missions, the progress of the gospel. But then there's the inward journey our progress in the gospel. And and we experience that through discipleship as we grow into maturity in Christ likeness. Last week we focused on that outward progress, and this morning I almost think for a few minutes about that inward progress of our own journey with Christ. And we can learn what this inward spiritual journey is all about by looking at Paul's prayer for the Philippian Christians. Look with me at verse 9 here in chapter 1. Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what does it look like if we are making progress in our walk with Christ, if we are following closely in the footsteps of Jesus. Well, Paul says, first of all, we will have a love that overflows. It will result in a love that overflows. As we grow in our knowledge of God's Word, as we grow in our understanding of spiritual truth, it will always lead us to love so much that we're overflowing with it. The, the Greek word Paul uses here is the very same word that, that Matthew and Mark use to describe the baskets of leftovers That Jesus had after he fed the 5,000. Remember that? Jesus fed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and and some fish. And he fed 5,000 plus people. That's just the men. It probably was 10,000 or more people he fed. And he had 12 baskets of leftovers. That's the same word Paul uses here. We should grow in our love so much that we have more love than we can give out. It's like we have just basketfuls of love left over all around us. That's... One of the results of walking in this journey with Christ. Another one he mentions is discernment in our decisions. Discernment in our decisions. As we grow in spiritual knowledge and wisdom, we should be making better decisions. A Christian who's growing shouldn't be making the same mistakes over and over again. Shouldn't be just committing the same sins over and over again. We should be growing in our discernment, becoming becoming wiser and more discerning about our priorities, about how we handle conflict, about how we discipline our children, about how we spend our time and our money, we should be becoming more discerning. And then Paul goes on to say that we should have a lifestyle that's genuine. He says, says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, pure and blameless doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean sinless. What Paul means is that our motives should be pure. Now, we don't know when Jesus can come back again, right? We don't know the day or the hour that Christ will return and hold us accountable for our lives. Paul's saying that should motivate us to live our lives sincerely so that we'll be unashamed when Christ returns. We should be ready at all times to face Him. And so our lives from our souls, from our wills, from our motivations, they should be pure and blameless. We should live genuine, sincere lives. Now, the opposite of that, the opposite of a genuine Christian is a what? A hypocrite. And Jesus reserved His harshest teachings for hypocrites, namely the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they made a show of their religiousness, but they didn't really mean it. They weren't pure and blameless. They were not living genuine, sincere lives. And Jesus said that that kind of person is like someone who lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Who lights a lamp in the house and hides it under the bed. But for His followers, Jesus said, we should shine our light so brightly that everyone would see it. Like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Or as Paul says in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, there's those words again, blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You think about how black and dark space would be without a star in the sky. That's the world in which we live. But we are to shine like stars in the in the universe. And then Paul says that if you're growing in your faith with Christ, you're going to be filled with fruit of righteousness. With righteous fruit, literally as we abide in Christ, he is producing this crop within us. The fruit that we bear is a is a product of our righteousness, of our right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if we if we have a right relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, then Paul says our lives will be filled with the fruit of that relationship. In John 15, Jesus talked about this as well. He talked about this analogy that he said, "I am the vine; you are the branches." And if if a branch, let's say a, a grapevine branch, if it's going to bear grapes, if it's going to bear fruit, what does it have to do? It has to be connected to the vine. If you go and you sever that branch, is it going to bear grapes? No, because it's been disconnected from the source of life and energy and power to bear fruit. If we want to bear the fruits of righteousness, we've got to be connected with Jesus. We've got to be abiding with Jesus, living with Him, walking with Him, talking with Him every day. Then we will bear fruit. And Paul in Galatians describes this fruit. He says that this fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit as Christ is living and working within you? Are you bearing this fruit? If you're not, you have to ask yourself, am I abiding with Jesus? Am I connected to Christ? Am I walking with Him and spending time with Him every day? Am I following so closely to Jesus it's like a vine that is a part of a branch? You will bear His fruit of righteousness with God if you do. Now, you know, think about fruit. Does fruit grow overnight? Do you look at a branch on, a, on, a, on an apple tree and you walk out there one day and boom, fresh ripe apples are just hanging there? Does that just happen overnight? No. It happens slowly. It grows. It develops over time. Guess what? You can't just go to God when you're in a crisis moment and say, Lord, just give me peace. If you've not been developing a walk with Jesus Christ so that you can live in His peace. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't just live your life, hurry, hurry, go, 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 demanding this and that, and all of a sudden you hit a wall and you're like, Lord, please give me patience. He's going to say, I've been trying to give you patience, but you won't turn to me. You won't spend time with me. You won't rely on me. Fruit takes time to grow and develop. So if you want love, if you want gentleness, if you want joy, spend time with Jesus. And the final thing he says is that when we are spending time with Jesus, when we're growing in our walk with Him, it will result in glory and praise to God. All of this, the end point of our lives, is that God would receive glory and and praise. And if we're walking with Christ, it will result in the people that we know and the people who are watching us and in our own lives giving him praise and glory. Whereas Jesus said that if we so shine our light before others, they will see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, to walk with him on a daily basis. But the question for us is how do we do this? How can I redirect my walk so that I am maturing in the progress in the gospel in my life? How can I begin to grow in my own spiritual walk? I'm going to share with you two principles and two tools to help do that. Just two. I could go on and on about this, but we've got the Lord's Supper to have this morning, and and that's a, a, a wonderful time that we're going to share together. So very quickly, two principles. The first is that we are responsible for our own walk. You are responsible for your own walk with Christ. Look with me at Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, how much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Paul is telling us that we have to work out our own salvation. Now, what does that mean? Paul did not say you have to work for your salvation, did he? No, we are saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves is the gift of God. Amen? We are saved by grace through faith. But we are saved not by good works, but we are saved to do good works. And once we are saved, once we have that that relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got His grace in us, we have to make that salvation fruitful in the here and now. We have to take what Jesus has done in our heart and work it out so that it impacts and influences every aspect of our lives and overflows into the lives of other people. And this calls for a continuous, sustained effort that Paul says we have to pursue with fear and trembling. That is, with godly fear as we work out the implications of His saving grace in our lives. But look at this next verse. Look at verse 13. So Paul says we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But then the next verse, Paul says that it is God who is at work in us to give us the desire to follow Jesus and to give us the ability to follow Jesus. Timothy Keller explains this seeming paradox like this. He said, if it were all up to us, we would labor under crushing anxiety and burnout. But if God only worked apart from us, We would lose all sense of initiative. The paradox gives us enough incentive and enough assurance to pursue the knowledge of God all our life. So it's a partnership. We partner with God in our own outworking of His grace. As we progress and grow in maturity with Christ, He gives us the ability and even the desire to do it. Now, how can we partner with God so that we are transformed by His grace working itself out in our lives? How can we partner with God in producing this fruit of the Spirit? Well, here's the tool. Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Like Bible intake. Reading God's Word. Studying God's Word. Memorizing God's Word. Meditating on God's Word. Bible intake is a spiritual discipline. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. And in prayer, we give God praise and thanksgiving, and we also make confession of our sins and our weaknesses, and we ask Him to examine our hearts. And in prayer, we ask God for the wisdom and the strength and the spiritual fruit to develop and grow within us. Sabbath rest, fasting, stewardship, These are all spiritual disciplines. And these biblical and historic Christian practices are ways in which we allow God's Word to work its way into our souls and God's Spirit to take that Word and work it out into our lives as we not only hear the Word but do what it says. So we are responsible for our own spiritual walk, partnering with God through spiritual disciplines. But the second principle that I want to share with us this morning is we're also responsible for each other's walk. You're responsible for mine. And I'm responsible for yours. Look what Paul says here in Philippians 1.27. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one in the faith of the gospel. You see that? They are to strive together in the face of the gospel. And throughout these two chapters of Philippians, Paul really emphasizes his relationship with these Christians. It is front and center. His absence is what drove him to be concerned about them and, and write to them. And he's convinced that his relationship with them is vital to their progress in the gospel as much as it is their progress of the gospel. And in the face of his absence, he's encouraging them to strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. So while I am responsible for my own spiritual growth, you know what? I am not on this journey alone, am I? I'm not the only one walking this path following Jesus Christ, am I? The path is crowded. Praise the Lord. We are all walking this path together, you and I. There is no Lone Ranger Christian. God's family has no orphans. We are all part of the same family. We all have the same Father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ together. And Jesus calls us and commands us to journey together in community with one another. We need each other to hold each other accountable to the truth and life and way of Christ, to keep each other grounded and going when the going gets tough to help pick each other up when we fail, to encourage each other along the path to do good deeds, and to keep each other on the path when the world tries to tempt us and turn us aside. And you know what the best, most time-proven way to journey in Christ-likeness with other Christians is? It's through small groups. What we traditionally call here Sunday school. Now, Matt in our e-newsletter recently shared a list from another church about some of the, the, the benefits of Sunday school. I just want to throw those out there for us real quick. Why should you be in a small group? Well, it improves your Bible knowledge. When you know and understand God's Word for yourself, you're more likely to obey God's Word. It's that spiritual discipline. You do it with other people. Guess what? The Bible was written to be read in community, right? I mean, when the Bible was written, you didn't have Christian bookstores. You didn't have the Internet and smartphones. You know, you might be lucky if your community had a complete copy of the Scriptures, even just one for the whole town. So you had to come together to interact with God's Word. Another benefit of Sunday school, it assists in your spiritual growth. I mean, your Sunday school teachers and and others and, and members of that small group can do what I talked about a minute ago. They can model for you what it looks like to follow Jesus in this situation, in that situation. It provides a place for you to belong. When you're in a small group class, you're known. You're recognized. Accountability is more likely to occur there than it is here. Right? We don't do a whole lot of holding each other accountable in a worship service. There's not a whole lot of getting to know each other in a worship service. You build those relationships in your Sunday school class. It helps you build meaningful relationships. It helps you to hear their stories and tell your stories and share each other's burdens. And when you're sick and you're in the hospital it's your Sunday school class, who's going to check on you and call on you and, and send you cards, bring you food when you get home? Uh, that's reason enough for me right there, Matt. It's food. And another is it gives you an opportunity to serve and minister through your class as they engage in service projects. And here at First Baptist Church, we have a Sunday school class for everyone. Every member of your family, there is a place for them to be at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. Now just think about all those benefits that you can get by just coming a little bit earlier on a Sunday and being a part of Sunday school class. And I know Matt and I would, do, would love nothing more than that to help direct you and your family towards what class would be best for you on Sunday mornings. So let's review real quick. Look at your notes and let's review. Discipleship is a twofold journey. It's the outward progress of the gospel through witnessing, and it's the inward progress of the gospel through discipleship. And as disciples, we should be overflowing with Christ's love. We should be gaining greater discernment in our decisions. We should be living our faith with genuineness and sincerity. We should be filled with the fruit of righteousness and bringing praise and glory to God. If you want to know, how am I doing as a disciple, there's your checklist. And that can help you see where you need to be working on your walk with Jesus. And the ways that we can do that is through spiritual disciplines and through being a part of a small group community. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ this morning? You know when these two boys at Vacation Bible School gave their lives to Jesus, what they, what they were saying is that I'm a sinner and I've been living life my own way and I know that I deserve death and separation from God because I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all born that way. But they also recognized that God loved them so much they gave His one and only Son. And if they would just believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, they would not perish but have everlasting life. Have you done that? If not, here in a moment, I invite you to come and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've done that, but you've never been baptized, and you want to come forward and just say, I've known Jesus for years, but I've never made it public. I've never been baptized. I want to be baptized. I invite you to come. And I'm going to ask you this morning, how well is your walk with Jesus? Now, you can redirect your walk with Him right now. You can get back on the journey. You can begin to grow in Christian maturity by just renewing your walk with Him. Just say, Jesus, I, I, I've, I've stopped growing. You know, you're, you're, either, you're either growing or you're getting farther away, right? You're either, you're either closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday or you're farther. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, forgive me and help me. I want to follow you more and more every day. Maybe this morning you've, you've been kind of trying to do this Christian walk on your own. You're not a member of a church and maybe you're just kind of getting back into church or maybe you, you, you're coming here on Sunday mornings for worship but you're not a part of a Sunday school class. Maybe this morning you want to come and unite with this church family. Maybe you want to find me or Matt afterward and say, you know what, me and my family, we do. We need to be in Sunday school. We would love to have that conversation with you today. Let's stand and let's sing together. And you respond as God leads. <laughs>